Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.20 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is what? The 23rd of August, 2023. This is episode 779 of Bitcoin, and it's a slow news day. So we're going to do something that I've been promising for like three weeks now. We're going to get into black soldier flies. Finally, yes, I finally compiled enough information together and, you know, picked through my memory of, you know, when I was doing black soldier fly back in Lubbock. Uh, That would be Lubbock, Texas, for anybody who is, you know, not familiar with where Lubbock is. Um, there's quite, there's quite a bit to cover, uh, but there's a couple things that I need to cover first that have nothing to do at all with black soldier fly first and foremost, the split kit that I was talking about yesterday, I set it up, you know, I I did the things. And if you guys are not, you know, understanding what the split kit is, uh, it's a way that get Albie, I read their uh, blog post yesterday and they were talking about the split kit and it's kind of a way to use podcasting 2.0 and the value block that's present. So the value block, what is the case you don't know if you want to send me boostograms or you're streaming me Satoshi's, if I have a pot, if you're on podcasting 2.0 and I have reset my RSS feed to contain essentially my value block, which is what? My lightning node address. That's what it is. It's basically an address of, if you send this dude anything in the form of Satoshis, you know, in Boostergrams or, oh, you know, streaming Satoshis or whatever, it's going to go to this address, okay? You're sending me value. It needs to figure out where to send that value. So as long as I've got that value block, you know, and and you, I did that through podcasting or podcast wallet or podcasterwallet.com. That is a Adam Curry's outfit. That's part of podcast index. He's the whole guy behind podcasting 2.0. So that's where we're sort of at is this, this concept of a value block. Um, There are other there, the split kit allows you another method to include somebody else's value block. And you can kind of do that already. Like, for instance, I have a split on my value block that I've included somebody else's. In, well, I've included fountain.fm. I've included their lightning node address in my value block, and I split them 1% of all the Satoshis that I receive so that as you're helping me fund this podcast, I'm helping them fund their podcast app, Fountain. 
the Fountain app, which is my favorite podcast 2.0 app. All right, so the split kit is, it enables me to send, do that kind of split, except it, this particular one is called the value time split. And what that does is it says, okay, at this time during this podcast, you can divert some percentage, no percentage, well, which would be done, but or all like 100% of everything to this other block. So what I wanted to do yesterday was I played a song from Sam Means, uh, Kalina, and I gave the split kit the time, well, not the time signature, but the time at which I wanted 100% of the fundage to go instead of to my block or to my lightning node to go to Sam Means because he's set up with a lightning address of his own. Sadly, this didn't work. Why? Okay, let me get to... Moritz Kaminsky is a guy over at Get Albi that basically what I said was the following. I said, look, hey guys, I'm, I'm, I emailed like get or hello at getalbi.com or whatever. And I said, hey, look, I'm really excited about this feature, but I need help in understanding how to use this. I set up an event. It looks like this. But my question becomes, now that I've got this set up in this way, Will it be the case that anyone who listens to this podcast on any podcasting 2.0 enabled client and streams or boosts during the timestamp for Sam means, will they be sending those boosts to Sam or do I need to do something else? It appears that I have to send out a QR code generated by the split kit in order for this to work. So anyone who is listening, not using that code won't be boosting Sam. I read the Get Albi blog post, but I am still not sure just how this works. Also, if there is any way for me to verify that Sam does get the boost, please tell me. I'm just a little confused and I really want to make this work for the Bitcoin and podcast. So any clarity would be helpful. Well, Moritz wrote back a couple of things, uh, basically saying, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And I was like, okay, well, X, Y, and Z included did not include the fact that my RSS feed out of SoundCloud is not able to be modified. So I then came back and asked him, can I modify this through Podcaster Wallet the, where I put in my initial splits, like that, that 1% split that I set up in Podcast Wallet to go to uh, fountain.fm? There's something in there that made me wonder if I was able to put this block that the that the um the split kit generated for me it's a little snippet of code and i asked him i was like well i can't modify my rss feed directly so can i use this value field in a podcaster wallet to put this block the snippet of code in and will that do the trick and he says he comes back and marit says look the value time split is so cutting edge that there are almost no services out there that help you add it to your RSS feed. Right now, it seems the only way is to build the feed yourself. Podcasterwallet.com only allows you to set a value block for the whole podcast. You cannot switch to the wallets of the music artists while playing their songs, nor can you give these artists a share of the split for a single episode. 
I'm sure the tooling will get better. At Albi, we try to push this new feature and talk to podcast hosting companies to enable it. Podcast hosting companies like RSS.com or Blueberry already allow podcasters to, to connect their Albi account. So what Moritz is telling me is that this is not ready for prime time yet. Like everything in our world, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's Nostr, whether it's Podcasting 2.0, this is so cutting edge that we call it bleeding edge. It's so sharp. It moves so fast that we literally can lose all of our fingers all at once. And so the setup that I did yesterday did not work. If you boosted... Sam Means, during that, during the song, okay, uh, Kalina, he did not get those boosts. So I'm going to try to go through and figure out what I can port over to Sam. I may just port over the entirety of, of everything that I got out of boosts and streaming for that episode yesterday and just give it to Sam and say, hey, you know, this shit didn't work. I want this to work. I think all of us really need to start asking, you know, questions to the people at Podcasting 2.0. How can we make this work? Instead of us just waiting around for somebody else to make this work, what can we do to help make this work? Because it's essential. I need this in my life. I need to be able to put Sam Means in my podcast and basically set it and forget it so that whenever his song comes up, no matter who's boosting from what app, those Satoshis go to Sam and not to me. And then when his song is over, the boosts and the sats that I get do start filtering back into my lightning node. This needs to happen for us to move forward, for us to be able to get out of the legacy BS that we find ourselves in with all media, whether it's news, Hollywood, music industry, you name it. We need this so that we can continue forward so that we don't have to depend on things like BMI and ASCAP and Hollywood and asking permission. And can't I just work directly with the songwriter? Can't I just help promote that song and let the money flow directly to that person? We have the tools but like Moritz is saying, we're really early. So for any of you guys that were just as excited about, uh, about this entire thing as I was, I am sorry to disappoint you, but transparency is key. So the conclusion is, Sam didn't get a single Satoshi from yesterday's show. I did my best, but it just didn't work. Don't worry, I'm not going to stop. I promise I'm not going to stop. Now, who wants to talk about some Black Soldier Fly? Before we do, you know who we should talk about? We should probably talk about the Circle P and my friend Dubrovko, who always boosts the show. And it's, it's, it's great. But Dubrovko, let me get over here to his advertising. He is at Oak Grove on Noster. Oak Grove, like an oak tree. It's Oak Grove. I'll have his his in-pub will be in the show notes. What does he make? Well, we're going to be talking about Black Soldier Fly, so he will provide you Black Soldier Fly larva. And he's located out in the DFW area. I don't know how... 
I don't know his prices, and I don't, which I, I probably should get that from. Hey, Dubrovko, I know you're listening. Uh, can you DM me your prices and like uh, what your shipping costs and stuff like that are? Um, because that would be helpful uh, later on down the road because, you know, you're part of the Circle P and the Circle P is open for business. And, you know, strange things are always afoot at the Circle P. But I don't need the cost of shipping and how much uh, you charge for larvae to be the strange thing that we're trying to, you know, pull apart. So if you could DM me on Noster what your prices are or hell, even, you know, give me a boostagram and tell me what you charge, that would be helpful. But this is the guy that you're going to want to, you know, ask questions to, or not ask questions to, you're going to want to buy his black soldier fly larvae if you cannot get your black soldier fly bin off the ground all by its lonesome. Now, when I was in Lubbock, I didn't have to worry about that. I and we'll we'll talk about it here when we get knee deep into the uh, frass of the black soldier fly. <coughs> but every year I was able to have a successful black soldier fly bin, and I did almost absolutely nothing except for put waste in and a couple of other things, which we'll get to. And the native black soldier fly population, they did their thing. They you know they had sex and then the female laid eggs and then the eggs fell on the on the waste and they started consuming the waste which again we'll get into however when i moved to canyon texas which was a mere what hour north of lubbock not a long drive you're talking about well an hour and a half maybe was it an hour and a half it's about i want to say it's about um about a hundred miles, maybe like 90, something like that from Lubbock. So not a, not a drastic change in, you know, climate. It was about as, it's about as dry. It gets about as much rain. It's just about as hot. It's, you know, difference by about a degree. And yet no black soldier flies for three years running. I tried to get this bin and I did exactly everything that I did in Lubbock nary a black soldier fly and that was when i would have needed somebody like dubrovko to give me some black soldier fly larvae so that i could kickstart that thing okay with that said if you can't get your bin going after this naturally just hit up dubrovko all of his information will be in in the show notes now, let me get back down here to where all my notes really is, and we'll begin with black soldier flies. Hermitia elucens is the Latin name for this particular critter, all right? Hermitia elucens. <coughs> so, what are they? Well, they're kind of scary looking, honestly, and they'll, they'll kind of, they kind of freaked me out when I first saw them. Why? Well, because they're, we call them flies and they are in fact a fly, but they look like a wasp and they look like a big wasp and they look like a big black wasp and nobody in their right mind (laughs) who's walking around their backyard and doing things that sees one of these things flying around their head, isn't going to duck and run for cover, right? Or swat it away or kind of get freaked out because not only do they 
are they kind of large and they look like a wasp and they're kind of black when they're like when they're flying they make a slight clicking sound and some of them can be quite loud and when they fly into your face which they do every once in a while <laughs> that it'll scare the piss out of you it just it just does when you if you have no idea what these things are it's like oh my god what the hell is this and why is it attacking me and does it have a stinger or will it bite okay well how did i figure this one out it's because i was digging in my compost pile yeah i always i always kept a compost pile in lubbock and then again in in um in canyon but sadly again in canyon no black soldier flies visited my compost pile I don't know why, but in Lubbock, where I always had a great big one, almost every single time that I went out to go turn that thing, a big black wasp looking thing would fly up at my face and start clicking. And I literally had, you know, I had no idea what it was. So I was like going, okay, I don't want to have nothing to do with this. After a while, it, you know, I just got to the point where I'm like, okay, it's Clearly, is it, it's not going to sting me. This is, you know, after like, you know, the first summer. Every time I had to turn the pile, I couldn't just not turn it. I wasn't getting bit. I wasn't getting stung. So I said, okay, well, it's just annoying. So therefore, I was able to turn my compost pile again. But I went, you know, for a whole long time, a really long time, thinking that this thing was a wasp. But it's not. In fact, not only is it not a wasp, it, it, and therefore doesn't have a stinger. It doesn't have a mouth. It doesn't have an anus. It can't even poop. It can't eat. It can't poop. It has no stinger. And it doesn't really like to dig in garbage. It's not like a fly. Because it has no mouth... All it is at this point as a full-blown adult is an egg-laying machine. Of course, that's we're, we're talking about the females here. There are males, but yeah, we will only talk about we are only concerned about the females because that's where you get the actual eggs from that turn into the larvae, and it's the larvae that we want, right? So the flies themselves are completely harmless. Not only are they completely harmless, they're almost not a disease vector because they really don't even like landing on trash. They like to lay their eggs that will fall on the trash. So they're actually cleaner than a housefly. It's, it's amazing. And the, that's all that the adult can do is lay eggs. So when it comes to laying the eggs, the, the female black soldier fly will deposit a mass of eggs. And each time they do that, there's about 500 eggs and they put it they they have to put their larvae somewhere where it will fall onto garbage so wherever garbage is they want to find something that is above the garbage and has cracks or crannies so that they can stuff the eggs in there so that they'll stay there for a little while and as they grow and get heavier they fall directly onto the garbage right so the garbage that we're talking about is stuff like dung, dead animals, garbage, other organic waste, that type of thing. They're not really going to be looking for construction waste, if you know what I mean, right? So once they lay the eggs, the eggs will hatch 
into the full-blown larvae in about four days, right? And again, like I said, it's the larvae that we're after, not the adult. We don't care about the, the only thing that we care about the adult for is to lay eggs. That's all we want. We want the eggs because we want the larvae because that's where the magic occurs. Now, before we get into the magic, where the hell are these things? What what climates, what what zones, <clears throat> what part of the earth are they on? Well, they're from, according to resources that I have been able to dig up, they originated in South America. I suspect that, that, that they've been around a lot longer than uh, just coming from South America. You know, like when the earth was... You know, all the land masses were connected in what's called the Pangea. And then it's, you know, all the continents sort of, you know, they sort of started drifting off. And and I just have a hard time believing that it was after South America was isolated from the rest of the world that the black soldier, soldier fly decided to, you know, evolutionarily appear. I think that they're a lot older, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with what the scientists say. I'm just going to say, Hey, you know what? The science is settled. The science is settled. Oh my God. And just go, okay, fine. Whatever. South America origination place of the black soldier fly. But where are they now? Everywhere. They're freaking everywhere, man. I've heard everything from that. You can find them in from the northern border of 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 uh united states down into mexico okay that's great but i've also heard that you can find them above the arctic circle i don't know if i believe that one i also know that they are down below the equator to the south and have also been found in really you know a lot further clo- you know closer to the south pole than you might think again don't know if I believe it, but what we end up with is the fact that these things are in all of the Americas, all of Europe, all of Africa, all of Asia, all of Australia, that their coverage is pretty much insane. They're all over the planet, which is one of the reasons why I was lucky. Well, I was, I'm going to say I was unlucky in Canyon because apparently Canyon, Texas is the one place the black soldier fly don't give a shit about. They don't want to be there for whatever reason. I don't know. It, it doesn't matter. Everywhere else, these things are basically indigenous, right? So they're all over the place, which means that if, even if you're in Minnesota, as long as it's not, you know, winter, these things are going to be there. And that, I guess I should say something about that. These things, they're not going to survive freezing temperatures. They're insects. I think, you know, they're, they're, you're, not, you're not going to have an active black soldier fly larvae bin going on in the middle of February. It's not going to happen, right? This is spring to early fall whenever it's just not freezing, right? And then even if, well, I mean, in the wintertime, you get a couple of warm days in February, maybe. No, they're, they're still not going to be there, right? You got to have them cycle, right? So the, like the last, like the last, fr- uh, last freeze of your spring, a few weeks after that, black soldier fly are going to start, they're going to start happening. And then they're going to go away after the first freeze in like fall or early winter or whenever your freeze is. 
after that after that first freeze it's it's done until next spring all right so it's not you're not going to be doing this stuff in the winter time unless unless you want to do it inside and i don't know if you really want to do that this for me i'm not going to put insects in my house right if that's something that you want to do if you've got a heated garage you might consider it I'm not going to do it. I, I, this is for me. This is an outdoor activity only, and it makes more sense for me to do that than any than putting them inside. But people do it. I mean, I've seen a lot of videos where people have this stuff inside, and in commercial production of this stuff. And yes, there are commercial there are commercial instances of black soldier fly uh, that that is in, inside, whether it's summer or winter, because they're producing this stuff all year round and they're not only producing the larvae for sale and other for other things they're also you know competently reducing waste and we'll get into some of that when we get into to the larvae but that's where they're at and that's essentially what times of year they're active so you're talking like you know spring to you know to late fall right so why what? Why even have these things? What's so great about them? What's so great about the black soldier fly, man? That you're going to do all this stuff with? Well, let's start off with waste reduction and the environmental benefits of black soldier fly larvae. So we generate, there's a lot of food that we generate. Humans, we generate a lot of trash. Some of that trash is construction waste, you know, old concrete. But honestly, I think most of the waste that we're producing right now is food waste. Sure, there's a lot of clothing waste too, like, you know, old fiber and stuff like that. But food waste is huge. And it can come from all manner of places. But what we're... I think what we should be concerned about since we're going to be doing black soldier fly at our house, that we should be concerned with at least two waste streams. One is the majority of our own waste and that's our kitchen waste. So, you know, that's like scrapings of plates. That is like, if you, you know, trimming uh, carrots and whatnot, all of that stuff, you know, before you cook it, after you've cooked it, after you've eaten it, like you, you got like a, a Tupperware full of like stew or something that went bad because you didn't get to it. That kind of waste is what we're talking about as the majority of the organic mass that we produce as families, as humans, whether you're single, married, part of a family, doesn't matter, right? The other is, do you have pets? Well, those pets produce quite a bit of fecal matter. Depending on how much in the weeds you want to get to this, you can include all of your pet waste into a black soldier fly bin and they will process it too. So if you got dog, like let's say that like for me, I never cared if my dog pooped on the lawn. Yeah, well, David, make brown spots. Eh, Not as much as you think. That's really where they pee. That's the, it's a urine burn is what you're really seeing. But if I have a problem, like if I've got like four, like, let's say you got like four dogs, right? And they're big. They're like the big dogs. 
and you are like going, no, that's too much poop. And I just scrape it up and, you know, out of their, you know, kennels or however you're keeping your dogs and you're actively scraping up their poop. Well, instead of throwing it in the garbage, throw it in the black soldier fly bin because they are going to process, process that too. And it doesn't have to be separate. It all goes in the same bin, right? We'll get to what the bin looks like in a little while. But here's the thing. Rotten food is rife with bacteria. It's not good. It doesn't really belong in a landfill. And honestly, there's no reason in the world for this food to go in a landfill when you've got something like black soldier fly, right? So it's one of those things where you can do your part. Just stop global warming. I don't care about global warming. Global boiling. I don't care. It's that's not with the BS aside. I still don't think that it's a good idea to put this kind of waste into a landfill. It just it doesn't make any sense. Not when it can be processed on site in a bin that is like the size of a footlocker or maybe larger, depending on how, you know, if you got a family of eight, you probably have a lot of food, you know, going in. So it doesn't make any sense, but I, 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 but I'm not, I'm I'm not being a hystericist about global warming on this. I just think that the mass can be put to better uses and it can. So uh, where was that? The waste that we produce, whether like you're picking up your dog poop, maybe you're even scraping out, you know, uh, saning out the cat poop out of your cat boxes if you've got indoor cats and you're putting that all in there. It, a lot of people use uh, like red worms, like also known as red wigglers to make, you know, earthworm castings and whatnot and to reduce their food waste. You better have a lot of them because nothing eats food as fast as Black soldier fly larvae. Under optimum conditions, they can digest all of the food that you give them in a single day. Okay, note that I said optimum conditions. Optimum, that means optimum temperature, optimum moisture, all that kind of stuff. You don't want this stuff too dry. You certainly don't want it too wet. It's got to be like Goldilocks, man. It's got to be like just right. And what is just right, I can't tell you. I'm not at your house. You got to figure that one out for yourself. With a couple of cycles of black soldier fly, you know, raising and composting, you'll, you'll figure it out. I mean, I did. I had, there was a particular, you know, consistency that I was looking for. And if it got too dry, I kind of knew how much water to put on it. And if it got too wet, I knew that I needed to make sure that I didn't put any water on it at all, or maybe give it, you know, some dry matter like shredded newspaper or something like that, or even grass clippings to kind of soak up that moisture, right? You'll, you'll have to do that for yourself because I don't know what your humidity is or where you live or what your, you know, average temperatures are, anything like that. Okay. So, but. Under optimal conditions, if I put in, if if I've got enough active black soldier fly larvae, and I'm constantly having new females coming in and, and constantly, you know, recharging the system by laying eggs, which we'll get to in a, you know in a second, and I'm constantly being able to have that digester run at an optimum condition, then the answer is yes. A, I could throw a bucket of food in there. 
and it will be completely converted into what's called frass in 24 hours. I've seen it happen. It's amazing. Uh, like I, I put in a bucket of food, like stuff that I could definitely like, I could, okay, that's a green chili. That's half of a bell pepper. That's a rotted banana. And then I'll throw it in there. And then I would come out like literally the you know next day and it was gone. Not as much gone as much as comp- I couldn't tell if it was a part of a carrot. I couldn't tell if it was half of a banana. It was all just black soldier fly frass, which is their, we'll, we'll get to that, but basically their poop and some other things. Completely converted in a day. And when I mean a bucket, I mean like a two and a half gallon bucket of food, just digested. They're just ripped through it because you're talking about thousands upon thousands upon thousands of critters just kicking ass in this thing. And that's their job. That's all they do. It's the lar- It's only the larvae that have a mouth and an anus, right? When they go through their pupate stage and they turn into an, they go through all these different instars, which is like different levels of how, you know, the insect progression. And then they finally get like get into a pupa and then they convert themselves. And that's like, sort of like, you know, the chrysalis for a butterfly, sort of the same thing. And then it turns into an adult fly. But when it converts into an adult fly, it loses its mouth. It loses its anus, never had a stinger, but the larvae, they do have a mouth and they do have an anus. And basically they are just this a worm wrapped around a digestive system. That's all they do is eat. They eat and they eat and they eat and they eat until at one point they stop eating and we'll get to that later. But before that, what's great about, have you ever like gone out? And you've got a whole, like if you've ever done compost and you're putting a bunch of, you've put a bunch of food waste into it to begin with, it can kind of get a little stinky. Or if you've put, let's just, let's keep it simple. Let's say you live in an apartment, right? And you've put food waste into your trash can. A couple of days later, it doesn't smell so good, right? And so now I'm at telling you, hey, you can you can put all your food waste, which we all know starts smelling bad in two days, into this black soldier fly bin, and it's going to be great. You're going to go, no, I don't want my neighbors calling the cops, telling telling them that they can't stand the stench coming from my house. There is no stench. How how does this happen? Well, since you've asked, the larvae actually help reduce the odors associated with waste decomposition. They literally do that. I, they do have an odor, all right? It is an odor, but it's not like rotten food odor. It's like almost kind of like a pungent, slightly pungent smell, but it's, I don't, I never, you know, associated it with rot or funk or, I mean, I've smelled human feet on live humans that smelled worse than what these guys do. And it's kind of amazing because you would think with all that garbage that I'm organic waste that, you know, smells bad in your kitchen. If you lit, you know, lit it, leave it in your trash too long. You'd think it would smell bad in the bin. It doesn't. So you don't have to worry about that. That's a great, that's one of the great things. And they consume almost like a, a huge variety of different foods. You don't have to separate your food. Hell, I even put, fish bones in there. Did they eat them? No, 
They didn't. But when I took all the frass out, which consists of their poop and a whole bunch of other stuff that we'll get to, I just put the whole, I just put the whole thing in my compost pile or just, you know, side dress my plants with it, with, with the skeletons intact. It didn't matter. You know, like bones, like if, if you've got chicken, like uh, you have fried chicken, you got a whole bunch of chicken bones left over, throw them all in there. All the cartilage, all that's the only thing that will not be touched by the black soldier fly larvae is the calcified bone fragments. Everything else is completely gone, right? Calcium, the, those bones, you bury that, you know, or, or make, or use it in your compost. It's going to do you good. And it's going to be completely cleaned of anything that can actually rot and smell bad because it got picked clean by all the black soldier fly. In fact, Black soldier fly are used by people in like forensics, you know, like exhumed a, you know, a dead, like a half, you know, rotted dead body and all, there was no identification possible. So that the only thing that they had to go on was the bones. Well, they need to clean the bones off. What do they use? Black soldier fly. That's the, and the black soldier fly clean everything down literally to the bone. So I never worried about separating, oh, well, I can't put this in. I can't put that in. I'm like, was it part of food? Then it can go in the bin and you can deal with it later, right? So what kinds of organic waste material do we need to be talking about? Let's think about the, let's think about not only where stuff that can be fed to black soldier fly larvae what stuff can be fed, but how much of it there is. And let's talk about this because we're talking about waste reduction and the environmental benefits, right? Think about a feedlot and cow manure, right? How much, how, how much manure does a cow actually make? You know, like, in, like, let's, let's think about, and I hate to do it. I don't like thinking about feedlots, but we get a lot of data out of feedlots. And what have been what's been discovered is that one steer will produce 1.8 tons of manure in four to six months that it's living at the feedlot before it gets before it goes to the slaughterhouse or the abattoir, whatever you want to call it. 1.8 tons per steer per head of cattle. 1.8 tons. In half a year, let's, let's go completely conservative and say in six months, that thing is going to do almost two tons of poop. And it's in a feedlot. It's not walking around on a pasture doing what it needs to do, which is depositing poop everywhere. It's all being collected all up at once. Okay, let's do the math. How many head of cattle are in a feedlot? There's anywhere between 1,000 at the very small end all the way up to 100,000 head of cattle in a feedlot. Do the math. No, you know what? I'll do it for you. In six months, that's anywhere between 2,000 and 200,000 tons of manure. All of it can be fed to black soldier fly. You could do, if there was room on a feedlot that they kept over, there is a commercial applications of black soldier fly that could literally take care of all that poop. All you got to do is get a front end loader, scoop up a bucket, throw it into the bin, let them chew on it, rinse and repeat. And you can sell the frass, which is the leftovers from the digestion process on the other side. 
but we don't do that, right? We don't do that. (laughs) We do all kinds of other stuff. Sometimes the manure gets spread on fields and that's great. But a lot of times, depending on the situation, it, I've seen it go into landfill. It's sad and it's awful, but it happens, but it doesn't need to. It can all be processed there on site. Food waste, like what we were talking about, our application at our homes or whatever is pretty much going to be food waste. You know, maybe you're picking up out of your, picking up poop from your, you know, great grand Pyrenees or whatever, because they're, you know, they eat 50 pounds of food a day and poop like, you know, 10 pounds of food a day and you need to get rid of it. Yeah, that, that stuff too. We're not dealing with 200,000 tons of cattle manure. I get it. But think about this. Think about restaurants. Think about the food you waste with a family of four. You know, just scraping your plate. Let's say that you're diligent and you don't, you, you like all of your leftovers, that you make sure that you cleaned your plate and all that kind of stuff. And the only thing left is, you know, the food off, the, the leftover food on your plate, a couple of bones, maybe like, you know, half a potato or something like that. You just couldn't get through it. Think about how much that is. Now think about a restaurant. Now think about how much all the restaurants in your one particular town scrape off into a trash can. Think about how many restaurants in with the waste generated from New York City restaurants, just the restaurants, right? Pretty scary. Now think of it worldwide, okay? Think of cafeterias. That's a different deal than a restaurant. You're talking about a large amount of throughput, you know, I'm not talking about Luby's Cafeteria that used to be in Texas or Furs Cafeteria. I'm talking about prison cafeterias in the prison system just in the United States because you got to feed these guys. You know they're not eating at all. You know they're throwing it away. And I'm going to equate public schools with the same system. Why? Because generally speaking, the public school system in the United States is contracting the exact same people that are contracted by prisons to run their cafeterias. Yes, they're feeding your children the same shit that they're feeding prisoners. It's Amarark or Armark or something like that. I can't remember what it is. One of the major, major food service providers to quote unquote institutionals, which is also the same people that are doing hospitals. So hospitals, public schools, and prisons, you're all getting fed the same shit. And you were all, and it's all being wasted. Well, not all of it. Some of it's being eaten, but you can imagine how much food is coming out of these things. And let's talk about colleges. You know, if you, like when was the last time you went through the college cafeterias? When I was at Tech, Texas Tech University in, in Lubbock, Texas, every single dorm, the like the buildings, like there would be, uh, like I don't know, the hall dorm. Uh, the Oats dorm, Hall and Oats. Uh, there would be like, you know, the name of the dorm, like, you know, somebody would like the McClellan Hall would be a dorm. And on the first level, there would be that dorm's cafeteria. The amount of food pumped through those cafeterias is insane at the university and college level. It's very much like a prison or a public school. You add all this shit up, you're talking about tons and tons of food waste. And I guarantee you that unless you have a whole bunch of people that are raising hogs around you, all of that food is going into the, into the landfill. Why do I say hogs? Because a lot of hog, hog farmers will come and get waste food to feed to their hogs because hogs can stand it, but you won't be feeding it to cattle. 
Some people, I guess, would, but most of the time it's it's just hog farmers. So unless you got a lot of them around your university, prison, you know, college or public schools, it's all going to waste. It's all going to waste. It's all going in the landfill. All of that can be eaten and converted into fertilizer and other things by black soldier fly larvae. Let's talk about distiller grains, beer, wine, or not wine, but beer, uh, scotch, whiskey, rye. You think, you know, we're talking in the United States, we're talking to 22.6 million tons of spent grain a year. And that was like in 2005. I have no idea what it is now. Right. And then remember how I was telling you about like, you know, poop from your dog. Think about poop from humans. How much fecal matter are we sending to, you know, sewers around the world? So not talking the U.S., we're talking about around the world. Generally speaking, about 120 to 150 grams of fecal matter per day produced by every human on the planet every single day. 120 to 150 grams. Do the math. That is, wow, 8.8 billion, with a B, tons of shit per day. And all of it could be completely transformed into bacterial, a low amount of bacteria, not a high amount. It, It comes out of you with a high amount of bacteria, but... Because black soldier fly reduce the amount of bacteria in the waste stream that they're eating, you would end up with a whole bunch of frass that has very much less of a bacterial load. Therefore, not as potentially hazardous as it would be as it is right now because we just send it into sewers. And then that ends up going where? Most of it goes in the solid mass. Once they have to clean those things out, goes to landfills. And all of it, all of it could be eaten up by black soldier fly. Yes, the logistics are scary to think about. And like, how would you actually get that done? I'm not worried about logistics right here. I'm just talking about the potential, right? So 8.8 billion with a B tons or, or sorry, kilograms of shit per day could be converted into a low bacterial load fertilizer. And we get get black soldier fly mass on the other end. We'll talk about that here very quickly. But going back to kitchen waste, I just want to take a a a, a, a snapshot of the India where from a couple of sources that I've been able to come across, the amount of food waste in India alone is 68.76 million tons annually. Every year, 68.76 million tons just gone. Of course, it's going to their version of a landfill, whatever the hell that is. You know, I don't know how India does their solid waste management, right? And I'm not going to research that. But what I do know is that 68.7 million tons annually in India of food is waste. All of it could be converted. All right. So when all this stuff hits a landfill, you know what it produces? I've talked about it on this show many times. 
How many times have I brought you an example of somebody doing Bitcoin mining off of the methane gas released out of landfills? A lot. I've, over the past five years, I've brought you several instances of companies that are tapping the methane produced out of landfills, right? And I, it's not that I don't want Bitcoin miners to tap methane out of landfills. We just don't need to produce any more. Once they get that shit fixed and we're not adding any more organic waste to that problem, then they can figure out how to switch, switch all their stuff to abandoned gas wells, which are just leaky little methane sources. And whether you're a climate hystericist or not, methane is proven to trap more heat in the atmosphere than carbon dioxide. Some people say 25 times as much heat. Some people say 100 times as more heat. God only knows. We apparently don't know shit about the climate. But what we do know is that methane traps more heat and is a more, quote-unquote, dangerous greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide ever thought it could be, right? Carbon dioxide could only dream of being as de- the destructive force that methane is. And with this amount of trash, this amount of organic material going into landfills every year that I've just described to you, that, you know, honestly, that's just stupid. Because not because of the greenhouse gas that it might emit as much as what we're losing. What are we losing? We're losing all this mass that could be converted. Converted into what, you'd ask? Well, let's talk about the nutritional profile of the black soldier fly larva. If I have 100 grams in a bucket of black soldier fly larva after they after they have decided that it is time to stop eating, but before they've converted themselves into an adult black soldier fly. 100 grams. 35% of that 100 grams is pure crude fat. So out of 100 grams, that's 35 grams of fat. Phosphorus, 1.2 grams of phosphorus out of that 100 grams. Magnesium. One gram of magnesium in that 100 grams. Sodium is 0.3 grams or 300 milligrams out of that 100 grams. But here's the kicker. Protein, 50%. 50 grams out of that 100 grams of black soldier fly larvae is crude protein. What does crude protein mean? It means that It means it's all manner of proteins. It's albumin protein and other kinds of protein because protein is all just amino acids in different configurations and different lengths and different structures. And it doesn't matter because what you're really after is the amino acids. That's what we're digesting. That's what our gut is breaking down. We're breaking down the proteins. We're turning it into amino acids. Those amino acids are able to be cycled into our cellular structures and then used to make more proteins to keep those cells alive. That's why we eat that and for sugar and fat, right? But a lot of it is the protein that we're looking for that builds muscle. It builds skin. It builds hair. It does all the things that is necessary for the metabolization of a healthy adult child and old human being, male or female. I don't see you I see your proteins. I had that said to me one day in a biology class. That's how important proteins were. I don't see you. I see your hair. 
That's keratin. That's a protein. I see your eye color. That's a protein. You've got a tan, melanin. That's a protein. I see dead skin. on. Uh, I don't see your live cells. I see your dead cells as your skin. That's your first layering. Well, that's pretty much all protein now. It's They're dead. They're, it's, it's just a layer, right? I don't see, you know, I don't see your, uh, um, let's see, what else was it? Oh, um, nails, your fingernails and your toenails. That's a modified hair. If you didn't know, it's keratin, right? It's all your protein, man. And 50%. 50% of the mass of black soldier fly larvae is crude protein, keratin, albumin, all the things that I just, melanin maybe, all the things that I just mentioned. That's what we want to eat. Well, I don't want to eat this protein. I want other things to eat that protein. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. So when we talk about the, the amino acids that build up proteins, proteins are nothing but amino acids and pretty much nothing else. Right. There's different kinds. There's, I think there's 23 different amino acids, right? And you need all of them, right? These black soldier fly contain the following amino acids that we know about lysine, leucine, L-leucine, valine, arginine, threonine, histidine, phenylalanine plus tyrosine and methionine in the form of cysteine. Right. It's not I, I I agree with you. It's not important that you know the names of these particular amino acids unless it's something that you're interested in. But these are essential animal amino acids that are good to have in a diet for some things. I am not prescribing humans eat black soldier fly. You're going to start hearing about that. You're going to, because it's like when I was digging into this, the amount of people that were like going, we're going to turn this, this stuff is great. We're going to turn it into a, a granola bar. And I'm like, well, you can eat it because I'm not. I, I am a human. I eat human food. It's animals that need to be eating insects or plants or something, you know, something like that, right? I, I want meat. I do like a salad every once in a while, but basically I want meat. I want some starch maybe sometimes. And I want animal fat. I want protein. I want fat. I want a little bit of starch. I want maybe a little bit of leafy greens, but you know, I'm not going to eat insects and I don't want anybody else to eat. I don't think humans should be eating insects. And in fact, I talked about reducing the bacterial load of waste streams through black soldier fly. That doesn't mean they're clean. All right. It doesn't mean that they're clean. It doesn't mean that the amount of processing that would have to go in to making this human edible food and not get people sick would be freaking extraordinary. And it's not necessary. Why? Because I got chickens and I got fish, which is exactly what I want to feed this stuff to. Because chickens want protein. Chickens want fat. You know what else chickens want? Calcium. Black soldier fly larvae. Pound for pound have more calcium at 6% than almost any other insect on this planet. And I'm basically making them out of stuff that I would have thrown away. It's, they are amazing when it comes to how much stuff that they're going to offer your chicken and your, your chickens and your fish. And you can feed them to ducks. You know, I'm sure ducks would love them too. I know chickens love them. I know they do, right? 
I know fish love them. Ducks, I don't know, but I'll bet you that they're not going to turn up their nose. I mean, ducks eat slugs and snails, for God's sakes. They're probably going to eat this too. And you can produce them by the pound, by the every day. You can produce your own animal food. And that's where this really starts to shine. Because now you've gotten rid of all your food waste. Now you've gotten rid of all your Dalmatians poop. Now you've gotten rid of all your cat poop. And you've turned it into black soldier fly larvae. All right? Let's see. Let me get down here to where where was where was I? Yeah, you turned it into black soldier fly larvae. And we'll get into uh, how how much. But all that food that you can feed your fish and your chickens and ducks and like hogs, I probably wouldn't feed it to cows. But the smaller, you get to the smaller animals, got no problem. I would not feed it to dogs or cats. You know, I, I would probably stay, you know, stay away from the smaller mammals because they might get sick. Not sure, but I'm not going to try it. Chickens, they don't get sick. They don't care. They'll eat a tin can. But what else? So what's left over? You've, you've, you've dumped all your food. You've gotten rid of all your Dalmatian waste. You've got, you've fed all of your ducks. You're coming to the end of the season. You got your first freeze happens and whatever poor unlucky son of a bitch black soldier fly was still left in that bend is frozen solid. It's dead. And what is it dead in? All of their waste, which is what we call frass, F-R-A-S-S. What is it? Well, think of, um, it's not just their poop. And yes, they also excrete liquid in that poop. So I guess poop and urine in kind of a way it's insects. So it's a little different, but it's not just that. Some of the black soldier fly just don't survive or the larvae don't survive. So they end up getting eaten by their brethren. So they're pooped out. There are some indigestible things that have passed through their digestive system, but eh, basically are still kind of intact. That's in there. Uh, what else is in there? Oh, they're, when they go through their instars, they're constantly shedding exoskeletons. So all of those are still in there. There's also a massive beneficial microbial population. And that right there is a key asset, not just to the frass itself, but the microbial population, both fungal and bacterial and I'm not talking bad bacteria where at this point it's kind of, they've passed everything through their gut and their gut basically contains a whole bunch of good, good microbiology that is not all that pathogenic. I wouldn't eat it, but it's definitely not as pathogenic as it was. If it was just sitting in your, you know, waste bin, just fermenting and, and, and getting all nasty, right? It's great for soil. We'll get to that here in a second. But that's what frass is. And it kind of looks black. And depending on its moisture content, it can be crumbly or it can be like a, like a wet clay or something like that. But when, we, when we're talking about how much mass of black soldier fly larvae that we get versus how much frass that we get versus how much stuff we put into the bin to begin with, it breaks down something like this. Let's start with a thousand kilograms of just food and vegetable waste, like 
a thousand kilograms. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of food, right? Out of that, you can, under optimal conditions, yield 250 kilograms of black soldier fly frass, right? And then 125 kilograms of black soldier fly larvae themselves. So, yes, the numbers don't add up to 1,000. Where, where did the rest of it go? Digestion gases. There's also a lot of leachate that comes off of this stuff, which we'll get to when we come to the bin. There's a, basically, there's a lot of liquid mass that evaporates during the process. There's a lot of liquid mass that is excreted by the black soldier fly that drops out of the bottom of the bin if you've built it right. And if you don't, you will not have a black soldier fly bin. And then that liquid is part of the weight that is not being considered here. That's why the numbers don't add up. But 1,000 kilograms of mass will give you 250 kilograms of frass, which is like an immature, think of it as an immature compost at this point, and 125 kilograms of black soldier fly. That's a lot of black soldier fly mass. I mean, at 2.2 pounds, what is that? I can't do math that well in my head. Me no, me no add so good. Uh, 2.2 times, well, what did I say? 125? Yeah, 125. At 275 pounds of food, if you can, if you think about doing that, you won't be able to do this, you know, for your house on a day, but let's say you were a small commercial outfit and you were able to process, you know, take in a thousand kilograms of food under optimal conditions that can be processed in a single day. So that's 275 pounds of 50% protein, 35% fat. 6% calcium and all the rest of the good stuff every 24 hours that can be fed to chickens. Think about that. That's a lot of food that would have gone into a landfill. And again, this has nothing to do with me screaming about how carbon dioxide is going to kill us all. I'm looking at the fact that that's not waste. It's an actual substrate that's going to be functionally productive and you're just throwing it away. Stop it. Just stop it. There's no reason to throw this shit away when you've got something like a bin full of black soldier fly, whether at the smallest scale at your house or the largest scale in a continuous feed production facility on a huge concrete pad right next to a feedlot. What we think of as trash, as waste, as something to be gotten rid of is not We just need to convert our way of thinking about what is useful and what is not useful. Right now, we think of all this stuff as not useful. Therefore, it goes into a landfill. You and I stand corrected. It is useful and it can be used to feed human food what would have been thrown in a landfill to the point that we probably don't really need a whole lot of other food sources except for those to be able to balance out the nutritional needs of chicken, fish, whatnot, but all of our trash could be fed to our food. That's what I'm saying. That's what it boils down to. Almost all of our organic trash can be fed to food, to the things that will become our food. And as those animals process that, they take food not fit for humans like grass. You can't eat grass, but cows can, and then we eat the cow. 
Grass is unfit human food. And so is rotten crap that you didn't get a chance to eat. You process that through the black soldier fly. Then you take the black soldier fly and you process that through chicken and fish or other means, poultry and whatnot. And then you eat that. That's human food. You don't need to eat the insects. We already have the processing plant. It's called a chicken. That's the processing plant. And guess what? I don't hook it up to the grid for electricity. I don't need permitting for it. Well, I guess on large scale, you kind of do. But for backyard chickens in a rural environment, nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. You know, unless you've got a neighbor and for some reason or another, you decided that it'd be a good idea to have 15 roosters that all start crowing at the crack of dawn. Well, then, yeah, you'll probably have a problem. But after that, there's, there's no problem. So that's what permaculture is kind of about. It's like, what is the waste stream that I can use as an input of another system? This is a permaculture principle. Black soldier fly larvae having a bin outside your house that takes in all this organic waste and converts it to, to these things, that's permaculture. That's taking what would be wasted and turning it into something that is not going to be wasted, that is going to be useful, that is going to eventually feed us, right? Because frass is an amazing fertilizer. <laughs> so we're now we're, we're back to th- thinking about frass. Um, the pH of frass. pH is important. You don't want to put anything too acidic or too basic on your plants, right? So the frass has a pH typically between seven and eight, which is optimal for promoting the growth of plants. You don't want to put fertilizer or something on your plants that has a pH of one because you'll acidify the soil. And unless your tomato plant really wants, you know, two or three, you know, pH in their soil, um, they're they're not going to do well, right? So the fertilizers that you want to put on, you kind of want them to be in a neutral range. Just so happens, all this frass, this 250 kilograms of frass that you got out of the 1,000 kilograms of food waste just happens to be in the sweet spot for putting on your plants, in the soil anyway. Um, And this carbon to nitrogen ratio is kind of interesting. Eight parts carbon to one part nitrogen, all the way up to 27 parts carbon to one part nitrogen. That's a high carbon, carbon content. And you want that in your soil. It makes for good soil. It makes for good compost, right? The, um, the frass, this is an idea that I keep thinking about all the time is instead of directly putting the frass on the plants, Either put it in your compost pile with other stuff like grass clippings, brown leaves, you know, like if you're making a compost pile for the year or whatever, save up all the frass and then just mix it in with the grass clippings or whatever else you're composting and let it all compost together. Otherwise, you can use the frass in a red worm composting bin. So you take what has already been composted and you give it to the red worms and they will process it further and they will produce more red worms, which can be used as what? Yeah, fish and chicken feed. Do you see how this works? You can actually start being more efficient by sending the output of the black soldier fly larvae bin through another post-processing 
well, through another post-processing. And that would be red wigglers or otherwise known as red worms or otherwise known as composting worms. And then those worms also produce a leachate and they produce worm castings, which is even better compost. It's even more adored by plants, right? That you can't miss that, that step. We can use the frass directly. We can, but it'd probably be better if you wanted to take the time to run it through a red worm bin and then use that and you letting nature do all the processing for us instead of us figuring out new and interesting ways to process shit. So just think about that. But here's an issue though. It's, and it's, it's for you at your house. It's not going to be an issue, but in commercial things, it could be is that the, the black soldier fly this is where it's like a, a, I don't know, two sides of the same coin and one side is bad. The other side is good. Is that black soldier flies concentrate heavy metal, con- well, concentrates heavy metals in their tissues. So if you want to clean up some highly degraded organic mat or highly uh, contaminated organic mass, and it does exist in places, Right that's got a lot of heavy metals in it. You can use black soldier fly, but what does that mean? It means you can use the frass because it 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 constant it took all of the uh all the heavy metals out of the soil and out of the, the it basically built a low heavy metal frass and you can use that. That's been remediated, but you can't use the larvae because it has high concentrations of heavy metals in its tissue. You can't use it for food. Right. So if for whatever reason, if some of you guys are thinking, hey, you know, I might be able to make a business out of this. Be very careful about exactly what you're feeding your black soldier fly. If somebody says, hey, man, I got a brown field over here that's like, you know, a whole bunch of people like a long time ago dumped a whole bunch of organic waste and, you know, like a whole bunch of metal stuff. You might want to stay away from that just in case you're dealing with like, you know, I don't know, mercury contamination or cadmium or something like that. But on the other hand, if somebody wants a business and remediating, remediating brownfields that have been polluted by heavy metals, you might consider mixing that soil with a whole bunch of organic waste and feeding it to black soldier fly and see if you can get the heavy metal content down in those soils. And there, that's a possible business, although yeah, it's probably a lot harder to do than, than we think. But moving on, remember that leachate that I was telling you about? This is another benefit of black soldier fly, which I find... I found actually really interesting. When I started researching black soldier fly, I started finding references to the fact that the common house fly and horse flies and other outdoor critters that we call flies that we don't want, biting flies, horse flies, house flies, they don't like being next to black soldier fly. So you're never going to have in your bin flies other than black soldier fly flying around. They don't want to be there. They don't like it. Now, there's various reasons for this, and I'm not sure exactly which one is true. One suggests that because the black soldier fly eats so voraciously and so quickly that they completely outcompete flies. I think there's also something else going on. I think that the black soldier fly 
produces a pheromone in their leachate, the liquid that drains off of the bin. That's their their liquid leavings. Call it, let's just call it urine, okay? And it's black and it's nasty looking and it smells just like the bin. There's a pheromone in there that basically is telling any critter that understands how to read that pheromone back off. You don't want to be here. I'm going to outcompete you. Everything about this place is nowhere where you want to be. Okay, so I read that and I'm like, well, let's find out. And I'm not going to spray it in my house, okay? But what I did do is I took like a gallon of this stuff. I mixed it with nine gallons of water. I put part of that into a, your, your basic herbicide insecticide sprayer, you know, the one with the pump and the little hose that's got the trigger on it. And you, you know, have a little head on it that sprays a fan of liquid out. And I mixed that, put it in there. I took that out to the alley, which is a strip. For those of you who don't know what an alley is, because in some places, even the United States, like Oklahoma city alleys almost don't exist. You take your trash to the curb. But in Texas, in almost every city that I've ever been to, there is a there is a road in between houses that is like a dirt road, and that's where they put dumpsters. And you take the the you know the trash out of the back of your house, you go into the alley, you dump it in the dumpster. It's got food, it's got oil, it's got all kinds of crap in it, and it collects flies like nobody's business, especially in the summer because it's hot. There's food rotting in there. It smells terrible. And that's exactly what flies are attracted to. So I take this thing. I open up the dumpster. I spray the complete inside of the dumpster in all of the trash. And flies are buzzing around me all the time. I could spray the outside of it. You know, like I just spray around it. And then I walk away. I just walked away. And I came back the next day. And you know what? There was one-tenth to one-twentieth the amount of flies present the next day. They don't like this shit. If you've got a fly problem, again, don't spray it inside your house, but if you've got a fly problem in your backyard, you might consider spraying your fence. Like if you got a wooden fence, consider spraying the, you know, like around the fence, on the fence, because that will, you know, emit the odor, which doesn't smell bad. And by at these concentrations, you as a human, probably not going to smell it at all, but the flies do. And I started doing that and I was reducing the fly load in my backyard by quite a bit, quite a bit noticeable, very noticeable. It made it much more pleasant. I don't know if it works on any other insect, but the flies, that one, I did notice. Also this leachate, just so happens to be microbially packed with good microbes and you can drench your vegetables with it. The plants, the soil in the plants. You don't want to spray this on your food. Please don't do that. Okay. Don't spray it directly on the plants. Just mix it up in a, like a bucket at nine to one ratio and just pour it around the roots of your plant. Your shit explodes with this stuff. And then you're also putting the frass on it directly, or you're turning it into, you know, worm castings through post-processing, or you're putting it into your compost pile for post-processing. It doesn't matter. All of this ends up going back into your food one way or another, but do me a favor. Don't ever apply this stuff directly to your plants. I don't want you getting sick. Let your plants through their 
through the plant roots, do the post-processing for you and the soil microbiology. And all this microbiology that's present is going to get into the soil around your plant and increase the soil food web that's going on in there, which causes nutrients to cycle even better. It's all, there's no reason to waste any of this stuff. There's just no reason. So how do you set up a black fly soldier or a black soldier fly bin? All right. You can buy one. Proto or Prota Pod, P-R-O-T-A-P-O-D. And then there's another one called the Biopod. They're completely designed for black soldier fly you can even use some of these inside your house. If you do it right, it doesn't smell. They're small. Okay. They're a smaller thing. I, I don't want to pay the 150 bucks for either one of these things or whatever they're charging for them. Now it was like 150 back in the day. So I built my own. I used a 100 gallon oval galvanized livestock tank that I bought from tractor supply. This thing is two, four foot long two foot high and two foot wide. And it's galvanized, you know, it's galvanized. So it's going to last freaking forever. All right. That's what I started with. And it's too big. It was too big for me and my family of four. Of course, at the time, my children were very small. If you've got teenage children or something like that, then it's probably the right size because you guys are going through food. Okay. That's where you start. The first thing that you need to do is drill a hole at one end of this stock tank. Hopefully right next to the actual wall where the floor of the stock tank meets the wall at one end. And a big hole too. We're talking the half dollar full, you know, like the old dollar coins, not the Sacagawea coins. I'm talking about like the walking evil eagle silver dollar coins, like, you know, an inch, maybe two inches across. Just punch a hole in it. Yes, your stock tank will never hold water again. I get it. But this is, you're not using it for a stock tank. You're using it for a black soldier fly bin. Now, lift the whole thing up off the ground with four to six cinder blocks. I highly recommend six cinder blocks, which means you need to level the ground. Okay, wherever you're going to put this, you're going to level the ground a little bit with a hoe, a shovel, whatever, right? Just to get so that you'll know what you're, you know, know what you're dealing with when it comes to level or non-level ground. All right. Now, get a couple of 2 by 4s Put the 2 by 4 put like stand the uh the uh cinder blocks on end so that they're higher than they, you know, so that they're higher up than they would be if they were on their side. Okay? Set them up so that you've got 3 on the back and 3 on the front that are the width like 2 feet basically 2 feet apart. Maybe a little little shorter than that because the tank's two foot wide. So if you've got a four foot wide one, then you'll probably want some in the middle too. I don't know. But if you've got like, you know, a smaller one, you just want the the you want the cinder blocks to where they're on the edges of the tank, right? On the on the back side and the front side. You don't want to you don't want to uh obscure the drain hole at the end, so you don't have to put them at the end. Put two by four, put a two by four on the three that are in the back stretching across and put the, and do the same with the one stretching across in front, take the tank and put it on top of the two by four. Now get a level, a four foot level or something. 
and make sure that it's level side to side, not front to back. We'll get to that in a second. But like, I mean, front to back, what I mean is like, where's the drain hole? The long side, the four, like you want the four foot side to be down a little, like 1% grade down on the, where all the liquid is going to flow to the drain hole that you punched into it. But it's got to be completely level on the front side and the back side. The short, the two, like if two foot across, that shit needs to be level. The four foot across, that needs to be angled just slightly enough to let liquid drain to the drain hole. Now you're going to take and get like six bricks. If you want to do more cinder blocks, that's fine because it's two foot high. You got plenty of room to work with inside the tank. I use just regular bricks that you would find on a house. And I set six of them, again, three on the back side, three on the front side. And then I used a heavy gauge, like I cut a piece of hog wire or hog fence that fit inside that went on top of that. And then I put cardboard on top of that. That is now my false bottom. That's what allows the liquid to drain out of the frass and go to the drain hole. Otherwise, all the frass is going to clog the drain hole. So you want to lift it up off of the bottom of your stock tank, right? Okay, that's it. Now you start to fill it with waste. You fill it with start, you start putting in your, your kitchen waste and then you order all of, if you, if you're concerned that you're not going to get black soldier fly, then just go ahead and order a pack from Dubrovko. His in pub and all that stuff will be in the show notes. He'll send you larvae. And then you just sprinkle the larvae on top of all the food waste that you put in and you're done unless you lit, unless you do something else, which we'll get to. Now you need a lid. You need a lid. You cannot lit rain just fall on, on, on the open mass that's inside. You don't want to do that. Ask me how I know, right? Make sure you've got a lid that covers this thing. You can be just a couple of pieces of, of plywood. That's what I used. It could be like an old door or something, anything, but you've got to make sure that the majority of this stuff is actually covered. Leave a gap about, I don't know, maybe two inches wide, somewhere at the very end to where air can kind of come in and get out, right? But not a whole lot so much that a good rainstorm won't completely flood the inside compartment. Next, this has got to be in the shade. You can't put this stuff out in the middle of like, you know, Lubbock, Texas, out in the middle of July, out in the middle of the sun and expect anything to do anything but die. This has to be in full shade 24-7. Find a place at your property where that happens. Put it under a tree. I mean, dappled shade is okay. That's fine. You really want to look for solid shade, but you need some kind of shade and dappled shade will be just fine. I promise. Next. And here's the key to keeping your black soldier fly population going. You need to have a place where the female can lay her eggs. And that depends on whether or not you have a free roaming population of black soldier fly. And I can't tell you if you do, I don't know where you live. Most of the chances are you do. You need to have what I, here's what I did. I took a piece of like heavy gauge wire 
and I cut it, I don't know, about a foot and a half long, right? On one end of that pole or that wire, and I mean heavy gauge, I mean something that's not going to bend easy. Like we're talking like, I'm talking like the gauging of like a hog fence. If you don't know what hog fence is, it's just like, it's like that galvanized fence that you see like cattle panels just and if you don't know what i'm talking about just google pet cattle panel or hog panel you'll know that's the gauge i'm talking about it needs to be stout right on one end of that you go get some cardboard and you cut it into strips right and then you sandwich those strips together to where when you look at the side you can see like that little wavy stuff going through like in the in the core of the of the cardboard is that that wavy stuff and that's what gives us strength that's where the female is going to lay her egg she's going to put her ass right up against the one of those entrances and she's going to shove it full of eggs and that's going to hold it so you somehow need to find a way to fasten that like together i used like what did i i think i glued them together one year i used duct tape the next year just so much as i had a you know a whole bunch of those holes on those strips open and it was like you know four or five strips, you know, sandwiched together. And then I just shoved it on the pole. And then I took the other end of that pole and I shoved it on top of the mass of organic matter that I had in that bin. Because that's what an adult female wants. She doesn't want to lay her eggs on the trash directly and she won't do it. If she can't find a place, a crevice, a crack, or something on the inside of the lid that you've put on there, then she's going to need some place to lay her eggs, and this is the way I did it. And three weeks later, I had black soldier fly larvae everywhere. I can't guarantee that that will happen for you. But next thing you need, of course, is continuously loading in your kitchen waste, but you need on the inside to put a ramp now, this can just be like a piece of like, I don't know, like one by or a, like well, I was about to say two by four, but like, a, I don't know, it could be a piece of steel, but just a ramp, something to let them get up and out and they need to be able to get up and out. Like, so you'll put like the, the floor of the, of the ramp directly into the food waste and you can cover it. You can keep covering it, but it needs to come out up. However you do this, however you engineer this for yourself, because I don't know what materials you're you're using, it needs to come up to the lip to where they can crawl out of the container in its entirety, right? Because here's the thing about black soldier fly that I love. They self-harvest. That's right. They self-harvest. When they're done eating, it's like a trigger goes off in their head that says, well, okay, I'm through all my instars and I I need to go find dirt to burrow into and then form a pupa. And then I'm going to turn into an adult black soldier fly. So they get away from their trash. They get away from their food source. And as they're crawling away from their food source, they poop everything that they have in their bodies out. And they go up. If you've provided them a ramp, They will find the ramp all by themselves. You don't have to do anything. And they will start crawling up the ramp. If it's too steep, they won't be able to get to it. Right? So be aware of that. And how that works for you, you're you're just going to have to engineer that one for yourself. It'll be self-explanatory once you start doing it. But you need to provide a ramp. Now, when they're crawling out, they're just going to fall on the ground. And they're going to start, they're going to crawl away. You're not going to find them. 
and they're going to burrow into the ground and you're going to want to let a, some of them do that. Because if you don't have a native uh, population of black soldier fly, this is how you start getting them. And you need to do that every single year. You need to sacrifice like half of 1% of your black soldier fly production to just let them crawl on the ground and go where they're going to go, do what they're going to do. But the best way to catch these things is to put a bucket, hang a bucket underneath the ramp exit and they just fall into the bucket. And what do you do with that bucket full of black soldier fly? You go and feed your fish. You go and you feed your chickens. You do whatever it is that you're going to do with your black soldier. If you're doing this, it's probably because you have something that you want to feed these things to because of that nutritional profile that I told you about. Go feed them. They're in a bucket and, and they're clean. They're, they've already pooped out all of the poop that they're going to poop out by the time they get to the edge of that ramp. They're clean, dude. And they're kind of dry. They're not, I mean, they're, you know, they're not exactly pretty to look at, but they're not slimy. They're basically dry. And you just sprinkle them on the ground, let the chickens figure it out. And I guarantee you, they'll figure it out. That's how you feed your chickens with this stuff. But remember, you're, you're talking about 125 kilograms of black soldier fly mass from 1,000 kilograms of waste. You're going to be converting all of your kitchen waste into food for your chickens and fish because the fish will eat them too. So they have to be bigger. You're not going to be feeding goldfish with these things. But if you've got like a trout pond or something like that, they know the trout know what to do. <laughs> just, I'm just saying, right? But that's a lot of food. And now you've got fertilizer. Now you've got fly repellent. You know, now you've got a way to get rid of all your kitchen waste and you know it's not going into the landfill. And you can tell the climate hystericist that's bitching at you about your carbon footprint, you can tell at, you can say, what did you do today to reduce your organic waste going into a landfill? Because I can tell you exactly what I did and then proceed to tell them and make them feel like a jackass because I guarantee you they didn't do shit today about their quote unquote organic or their, their carbon footprint. All right. So in conclusion, black soldier flies are harmless. They are everywhere. They reduce waste. They create organic fertilizer. They create food for animals. They create a situation where you can do pest management on flies and they're easy to raise. I put this entire bin together in a day for under 150 bucks and it holds four or actually it, it held like 10 times more than the prefabricated biopod or whatever that other thing was that I told you about. And I did it all myself in an afternoon. In three weeks, I had a black soldier fly, a thriving black soldier fly community and not a single scrap of kitchen waste ever went in to our dumpster ever again. And our dumpster never had flies because I was spraying it with the effluent or the leachate from the black soldier fly. And that made house flies not want to be there. And since I reduced the population of house, house flies around my house, guess what? Inside the house, I didn't have that many house flies, not as much as I normally would. So I hope that this has helped. I hope that you have a new understanding of why I keep talking about black soldier fly. Make sure that you hit up my buddy Dubrovko out of the Circle P if you want to start your own black soldier fly bin. 
We are coming to the end of this season. Yes, I should have done this in the spring. I will bring this back in, in, in a different way next spring at a time that makes a lot more sense for you to start doing this. But start thinking about it, okay? Start thinking about what can be done with this. If Think about the business opportunities that, that have potential here. Not the heavy metal remediation one. Let's just talk about how much would you would you be able to get money from people dropping off their food waste? If not, you, if you were to go pick it up yourself for the restaurants, for the school, for all these different people, and say, "I'm not making this is not for human consumption. This is for you know this isn't even for animal feed for human consumption. This is for compost." and a compost process, then they'll probably give it to you. They may even pay you to take it off their hands, and then you process it, and then you can sell the black soldier fly. You can do what Dubrovko is doing. Maybe you can sell you know, black soldier fly larvae if you get good at being able to collect it. Who knows? You can sell the fertilizer. You can sell the leachate. You, there's, it's not impossible. It may not be something that you want to do, but it may be. And it may be worth considering all of the benefits that you're able to market out of the fact that you're stopping the food waste from going into the landfills and producing methane and carbon dioxide that's going to kill us all. Oh my God. Just use their own narrative against them to get what you want. And I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.